0: It's up for debate on KLJXLP Flagstaff, KJAC 107.1. I'm your host, Kade Reed. Thank you very much for tuning in today. And make sure you tune in every single weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. we I'll be bringing you the most debatable content in all of sports, only on KJAC Radio and on the KJAC Sports Spotify. We have a loaded show today. The Seattle Seahawks defense will cost them in the NFC. Dalvin Cook gives the Vikings playoff hope in an important Monday night football game. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk about the young quarterback showdown that we saw this weekend between Tua Tagovailoa and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, the former rookie of the year, we know how great he can be. But Tua Tagovailoa was really the big time question mark coming into this game. It was a second game starting in the fifth overall draft pick really had high hopes for this Miami Dolphins team. Now the Dolphins were wise to use this pick on a tag of Iloa and he really proved it in his second game starting against the Arizona Cardinals. The Miami Dolphins defeated them 34 to 31 and to attack of Iloa completed 20 of 28 passes for 248 yards and two touchdowns. He was spot on the money all game long and The decision to start Tua Tagovailoa just a few weeks back for Brian Flores was one that a lot of people looked at with ire. The reason being is Tua's had a big-time injury history, and the Dolphins were successful when they were starting Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Now they did have a three and three start, which is just okay, but now that they're off to a five and three start, the playoffs are right in reach. For this Miami Dolphins team and this isn't because of how good Tua has been or how well he's played in his first two games because to be honest his first game wasn't all that great and the second game was really good but the reason the Dolphins are in this position in this playoff spot right now is because Tua Tagovailoa's defense the Miami Dolphins defense has been absolutely stellar and this has been a Big time concern for Miami as they've been trying to rebuild this team the last couple of years. Now they couldn't find that quarterback replacement that they wanted, so they decided to go and build the defense while they started searching for a quarterback. And now that they have two attack of Iloa, this team has some new confidence that they really didn't have before. I'm not here to say that Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't a good quarterback or he wasn't right for the job in Miami, but he doesn't give the same confidence to the team that Tua Tagovailoa does. I mean, at the very best, Tua Tagovailoa can be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But if you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know what he can bring. We know how good he can be. We've seen his Fitch magic before, but we haven't really seen him lead a team to the playoffs. We haven't really seen him go deep into a playoffs and make a Super Bowl. That's just not the type of quarterback that he is. And the Miami Dolphins players know that. Brian Flores knows that. And that's why starting Tua Tagovailoa was the right decision. So now in game two of Tagovailoa's career, he had a tremendous outing and against one of the better young quarterbacks in the NFL. Kyler Murray, the former Rookie of the Year, had a great performance himself. 21 for 26, 283 yards and three touchdowns, along with 106 rushing yards and a touchdown there. So four touchdowns for Kyler Murray, and he just was getting started. He had a tremendous game, and he had a real MVP-type performance, and even after this loss, he should still be in the running for that reward. Now, I think Patrick Mahomes is the front runner right now, and Russell Wilson, Josh Allen are also in that mix. But Kyler Murray definitely deserves to be given a nod right there. Now, the reason the Cardinals really didn't have that great of a game is because the rushing attack they brought out outside of Kyler Murray was abysmal. Chase Edmonds had 25 carries for 70 yards, so it's not that they didn't try to run the football. They tried to give Chase Edmonds the ball, and Even though Kenyon Drake is hurt, they relied on Chase Edmonds a lot this game to only bring them 2.8 yards per carry. So this really did show a little bit of question marks for this Arizona Cardinals team. But on the other side, Miami has the same issue with the running attack. They really didn't get too many great performances from their running game. And Jordan Howard, the leading carrier for this team had 10 carries for 19 yards and that's not going to cut it. If you want to make a deep playoff run. Now, It cost both of these teams, but obviously one of these teams had to come out on top. And because of how good this Miami Dolphins defense is, they were able to slow down and stop the Arizona Cardinals late in the game. And with a missed field goal from the Arizona Cardinals, that was really all it took at the end of the game. Now, both of these teams are very good. And I think both of these teams are going to make the playoffs, but the future is really bright for the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins have found their franchise quarterback, and I've been talking about this guy for so long. He was the most talented quarterback in college football last year, and Trevor Lawrence was there. The big question was, who's going to be the better quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa or Trevor Lawrence? But when Tua went down with his injury, it was a question of, would Tua even be the first overall draft pick? Would he even be the guy taking number one? And Although Joe Burrow was taken number one, I think Tua had a great argument for being in that position and being that guy. I and mean, he proved that he was that talented, and now that he's taken his steps into the NFL, he's really proving that he can still play at that same level. Now, moving forward, the Miami offense is going to get better and better as the relationships between Tua Tagovailoa and the receivers and tight ends just continue to grow. I mean, Devontae Parker, we know how talented he is. We know how good of a receiver he can be when he's given the tools and the opportunities. And I think this Miami offense is going to just keep taping steps forward as they keep making a deeper push into the playoffs. Now, the next couple of weeks, they have a couple of gimme games against the Chargers, the Broncos, the Jets, and the Bengals. They're going to have themselves tested later on in the series as they take on the Chiefs and the Bills later on. So the Miami Dolphins bringing in Tua Tagovailoa, showing just how good of a pickup he was, showing just how smart of a coach Brian Flores is by giving him the keys, giving him the opportunity to lead his team. I mean, if you're going to draft a guy fifth overall, you might as well give him the shot to lead the team. And that's what they're doing with Tua. Now, I love the moves that Brian Flores is doing. I expect this team to make a deep playoff run. That's going to do it for this first segment. I'll be back in just a second where I'll be bringing you the Seahawks defense and how they're costing the Seahawks in the long run. Stay tuned. The Seattle Seahawks defense will end up costing them in the NFC. Well, that's debatable. Welcome back to Up for Debate. I'm your host, Cade Reed, and the Buffalo Bills took on the Seattle Seahawks in a highly anticipated matchup between two teams with Super Bowl aspirations. The Buffalo Bills have a prolific defense and an up-and-coming offense led by Josh Allen. The Seattle Seahawks offense has been one of the top in the NFL, and MVP candidate Russell Wilson is a big part of that. Now, coming into this matchup, this was supposed to be a back-and-forth game that was supposed to be really close. And when the Buffalo Bills ended up winning 44-34, you can kind of assume by looking at that score that it was a close game. But the Buffalo Bills completely dominated this game from top to bottom, and the biggest reason was because the Seattle Seahawks can't stop the pass. Josh Allen threw for 415 yards and three touchdowns. He also had a rushing touchdown to go along with that, but the Buffalo Bills were just taking advantage of the deep ball all game long. The reason being is Seattle's passing defense has been abysmal all season long, and It's online, it's in track to be the worst passing defense in NFL history, statistically. Now, if they stay on this track, they're going to be the worst passing defense. And Super Bowl teams don't have defenses that are that bad. Super Bowl teams don't have a weakness like the Seattle Seahawks do. So how are the Seattle Seahawks going to be able to bounce back and get this passing defense figured out? Well, the first thing and the biggest key to this is the pass rush pass rush for the Seattle Seahawks has just not been there all season long and that was a big reason why they brought in Carlos Dunlap they haven't been able to get after the quarterback and although they did sack Josh Allen seven times those seven sacks are a little bit uh, of a mirage they're not really seven sacks I mean they sacked Josh Allen seven times but the reason being is because Josh Allen sat in the pocket for such a long time because he frankly, had so much time in the pocket that he was just letting his receivers get open. And if you're a secondary player for the Seattle Seahawks, keeping up with these quick wide receivers like Stephon Diggs, like John Brown, is just impossible when there's so much time for Josh Allen to wait. And that's what he did. He waited and he waited and he waited to eventually throw the deep ball to all of these players. And that's why this Buffalo Bills team took off to such a big lead to start going off to a 24 to seven lead to open up the game. Now the Seattle Seahawks offense is proven and they know that they can score points on any defense in the NFL. The Buffalo bills have one of the top defenses in the NFL and they still scored 34 points against them, but they weren't able to keep up. They weren't able to match up with this Buffalo bills offense. Now this is a big problem for the Seattle Seahawks because they want to make a Super Bowl. They want to win the Super Bowl. And when Russell Wilson is playing the type of football he's playing and playing at the level he's playing at, anything less than a Super Bowl is unacceptable for the Seahawks team. Now, the big issue for the Seahawks is their passing defense. And Carlos Dunlap was the first uh, the first change that the Seahawks team made. It was the first try to make a conscious effort to fix this defense and quite frankly it really didn't work. So if the Seahawks defense is this bad how are they still going to be successful in the NFC? Well the big thing is there's a big time power shift from the NFC to the AFC. I mean in prior years we've seen the NFC so dominant. So many great teams coming out of the NFC and really we haven't seen too much out of the AFC. Just the New England Patriots for the most part and Maybe a sprinkle of Peyton Manning or a sprinkle of Ben Roethlisberger. But for the most part, the NFC has been the dominant conference for the last couple of years. Well, that's finally changed Is now the AFC is starting to get those quarterbacks, starting to get that talent. The Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, and still a pretty talented offense. But on the side of the NFC, there's, there's good teams, but there's no great teams. And every single one of these top teams has a big-time hole. For the Seattle Seahawks, it's their passing defense. For the Green Bay Packers, it's their run stop. They can't stop the run. For the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their older quarterbacks are question marks. Tom Brady and Drew Brees have both have really bad games this season, but they've also had really great games. So there's a lot of question marks in the NFC and not so many question marks in the AFC. And the power shift from the AFC or from the NFC to the AFC is pretty evident in watching the Buffalo Bills, one of the top teams in the AFC, taking on the Seattle Seahawks, who before this game looked like the top team in the NFC. Now, the Seattle Seahawks are still the top team in the NFC, even though they were dismantled by this Buffalo Bills offense, even though they were slowed down and stopped by this Buffalo Bills defense two interceptions for Russell Wilson could have been the difference for the Seattle Seahawks team, but I still have hope for the Seattle Seahawks to be able to turn things around. Now they do have one of the worst passing defenses in NFL history, but when you have an offense as prolific as the Seahawks passing game has been with Russell Wilson, being able to connect to DK Metcalf, DJ Moore and Tyler Lockett. I mean, the wide receiver corpse is phenomenal. The weapons for Russell Wilson is great. The defense is the only issue. But when you're not facing really all that many well-rounded teams in the NFC, the Seattle Seahawks have the opportunity to take advantage and beat any team in the NFC. But once they end up getting to the AFC, once they make that Super Bowl push, I just don't think there's any way they can match up with the top team in the AFC, whether that be the offense of Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, the MVP frontrunner, and a pretty decent defense that they've developed. Or if it be the Buffalo Bills, who we saw this game on Sunday, completely dismantled this Seattle Seahawks defense, was unable to stop them. They only had two defensive stops all game long. Seattle could only stop two defensive drives for the Buffalo Bills, and that's going to be a big time issue. Now, the Seattle Seahawks have made some conscious efforts to try to solve this issue, bringing in Carlos Dunlap, who is going to help. He's going to help this pass rush. He's going to help the Seattle Seahawks defense. And once he gets more acquainted with the defense, once he gets a little bit more time on the field, I think he's going to have a big time impact. But we have to remember, Pete Carroll's the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. He is the creator of the Legion of Boom, one of the best defenses of the last 20 years. And if Pete Carroll has anything to say about this, the Seattle Seahawks are going to be a changed team moving forward. Now they have another big time test coming up next week against the LA Rams. And this is going to be a big time game because the Rams are a pretty well-rounded team. They have a good defense and a good offense, but they have some holes of their own as well. Their offense has been a little bit more iffy because they've lost Brandon Cooks. They don't have the weapons that they used to have. Robert Woods has been good and Cooper Cup has been good, but Jared Goff hasn't really been able to get them the ball as much as he would like. Now, Seattle Seahawks have high hopes for the season, and I have high hopes for them, too. I think that they're the best team in the NFC, even though they have a terrible, and when I say terrible, I mean terrible passing defense. When you're led by Russell Wilson and you give him the weapons that he has, I mean, it's just going to be so hard to stop. And offensively, I just don't think there's any team in the NFL that can really, truly stop the Seattle Seahawks. Are there teams that can slow them down? Absolutely. Are there teams that can make it tough for them? Absolutely. The Buffalo Bills are one of those teams. They made it hard on the Seattle Seahawks. And although the Seahawks scored 34 points, this is still a good defensive performance for the Bills. But offensively and defensively, they go hand in hand. So if the Seahawks defense is making them and forcing them into to shootouts every single game, we're going to have a big time issue for the Seattle Seahawks. Now I do think the Seahawks are still the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC because of just how strong that offense is. But now it's time to reflect. Now it's time for the Seahawks to look within and see what the real issues are. Why did they lose to the Buffalo Bills? How did they get dominated by this team that they really thought they could match up well with? I mean, the Bills didn't run the ball. They didn't have a great rushing attack. They had Zach Moss run it nine times for 18 yards, and the Seahawks stopped the run for the most part. Now they have to figure out how to stop the pass. They've got the pieces. Quentin Dunbar's not too bad at that cornerback position. Jamal Adams, the new signee or the new tradee for this team, has looked pretty good, but he needs to step up and really slow down the pass. I expect the Seahawks team to take a turn and really solve a lot of those issues before playoff time. But if they do end up making it to the AFC to face off against the AFC champion in the super bowl, I just think it's going to be a another a rendition of what we just saw against the Buffalo bills. The Seahawks can score. We know they can do it, but they can't stop other teams. And if you can't stop other teams, you're not going to win every single shootout you get into. And that was showcased against the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, Dalvin Cook gives the Vikings playoff hope. Stay tuned. Dalvin Cook has given the Minnesota Vikings playoff hope. And a few weeks ago, we would have all thought that potentially this Minnesota Vikings team was already done with their season. They were ready to lose and go home, ready to go to the NFL draft and try to figure out what the issue was from there. But a few games have passed. The Vikings have beaten the Packers. They've beaten the Lions. And now they're looking like one of the better running teams in all of the NFL. Now, this is a big reason, or the big reason is Dalvin Cook has been completely dominant against the Minnesota Vikings, or for the Minnesota Vikings, against the Detroit Lions. Dalvin Cook had 206 yards and two touchdowns. And this isn't like the Minnesota Vikings are trying to disguise the run, trying to pretend that they're going to pass the ball. Everybody knows that they're running the football. Everybody knows what they are going to do. And Dalvin Cook is still as dominant as he has been. Now, even though this Minnesota Vikings team started off one and five, looked like one of the worst teams in the NFL, traded away one of their defensive players to try to rebuild and get ready for the next year they still have started to figure things out. Now, because of how weak the NFC is, they're going to field an eight and eight or a nine and seven playoff team. There's going to be a team right around 500 that makes the playoffs because quite frankly, there's just not enough talented teams fighting for those playoff spots. Between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Los Angeles Rams, One of those three teams, I think, is going to take a little bit of a fall apart. I think they're going to have a hard time pushing into the playoffs, and the Minnesota Vikings can take advantage of that. Now, the Vikings have a relatively easy schedule moving down the line and a schedule that they can really take advantage of if they want to make a playoff push. Next week, they face off against the Chicago Bears in what is going to be a very big matchup because the Bears are also fighting for that playoff position. Now, the Bears are a decent enough team, but offensively, they just don't have the quarterback ready and raring to go. They don't have Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles on the same level as Kirk Cousins. Now, even though Kirk Cousins hasn't been great, if the focus is on Cook, play action is where Kirk Cousins excels. He's been one of the best play action passers in the NFL the last couple of years, and there's been reasons for it. The run game has been so dominant for this Minnesota Vikings team that they're able to rely on Kirk Cousins only as much as they need. And when you don't rely on him for an entire game, you don't have to put the whole weight of the game on his shoulders. He's shown that he doesn't make as many mistakes as if he's the center of attention, if they know they got to stop the pass. Now, Kirk Cousins has 15 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, which with this running offense is just good enough. Now, if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy and the Minnesota Vikings can keep playing the way that they're playing, they have a legitimate path to the playoffs. Whether that be taking out the LA Rams or the Chicago Bears for that final wild card spot, they still have that opportunity. And I expect them to make a deep, deep push late into the season to try to get that final playoff spot. Now, the defense has been struggling. And if they make the playoffs, if the Minnesota Vikings make the playoffs, the only reason is going to be because of Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook has been completely dominant all season long, has already nearly eclipsed a thousand yards with five or with 12 touchdowns, excuse me, averaging 122 yards per game. Now with a weak NFC field, I think the Minnesota Vikings have a great opportunity to make that deep push. And against the, the Lions this weekend, they showed that they're able to push the pressure and put enough pressure on this this other team to really make a deep push in through the regular season. Now, the Detroit Lions are not one of the better teams in the NFL. They've had their issues all season long, and that's not something that we're surprised by. We know that this is the type of team that they're going to field every single year. A team that starts out three and five and a team that finishes seven and nine or six and 10, that's the type of team that Detroit puts out. So Minnesota beating Detroit really isn't the biggest deal, but the ability for Dalvin cook to run for 206 yards and two touchdowns and to carry this game just on his back, just by running the ball has shown that Minnesota can do it. The bigger game last week against the green Bay Packers was a good showcase of how this defense was able to slow down Aaron Rodgers. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers still had 291 yards and three touchdowns, but they were able to slow him down. And Minnesota completely committed to the running game, giving Dalvin Cook 30 rushing attempts, 30 rushing attempts for 163 yards and three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook has been completely dominant and he's really stepped into the to the top running back in the NFL. And I think that this is a question only because Christian McCaffrey is still there and he's so dynamic, but with Dalvin Cook running so hard and playing as physical as he's played the last couple of years, I just don't think there's any quarterback or any running back that can run quite as well as Dalvin Cook. Now I expect Dalvin Cook to continue up his hot streak into the following weeks as this Minnesota Vikings team has a relatively easy schedule. Like I said, they take on the Bears, but then following that, they have the Cowboys, the Panthers, and the Jaguars, three teams that are bottom feeders in their divisions. The Panthers haven't really been all that great this season, even though Christian McCaffrey has been hurt. The Cowboys have completely fallen apart, and the Panthers, or excuse me, the Jaguars are one of the teams in the running for Trevor Lawrence. So I think that this Minnesota Vikings team has a good chance to win three of those next four or five games and end up getting themselves into good position to make the playoffs. Now, I don't think they're winning the division by any means. I don't think they're going to catch up to the Packers who have been a relatively good team all year long outside of their run stop, which has just been abysmal, which has not been a part of their game plan or or something. I mean, there's been a big time issue for the Packers stopping the run, but the Vikings I think are a team that can catch up to one of those wild card teams. I think they can find their way into the playoffs. And if they do end up doing that, Dalvin Cook deserves all of the credit. Dalvin Cook has been the best player, and he's going to continue to be the best player for this Vikings team. Now, thank you guys for tuning in to Up for Debate on KJAC Radio. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Monday Night Football is an important game, even though it doesn't really feel like it. Stay tuned. The New York Jets are taking on the New England Patriots in what looks to be one of the ugliest Monday night football games we've seen in a while. Welcome back to Up for Debate. I'm your host, Cade Reed. And the New England Patriots are taking on the New York Jets in a very important Monday night football game. Now, even though the Jets are 0-8 and the Patriots are 2-5, this is a big time game to watch because both of these teams are still in the hunt or still in the sweepstakes for Trevor Lawrence. If you don't know who Trevor Lawrence is, he's one of the best college football quarterbacks that we have seen the last 10 or 15 years. He's the best college football quarterback I've seen since Andrew Luck, and I think his potential and his pedigree is even higher than that of Andrew Luck. Now, the the Patriots have this opportunity to get Trevor Lawrence, all because they face off with the 0-8 Jets Two times this season. So if the New York Jets end up winning both of these games and the Patriots end up losing the rest of the games this season, the Patriots will be 2-14 and 14 and the Jets, who I don't think will beat any other team, will be 2-14. and 14. So two losses to the Jets and the Patriots are right in the hunt for one of the best college football quarterbacks we have seen in a very, very long time. Now this is significant because the Patriots are just removed from Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks we have ever seen in the history of the NFL. And Bill Belichick has been looking for his replacement ever since. Now, they signed Cam Newton during the offseason, but that's just a gap deal. That's not a deal to bring Cam Newton in for the long run. It's just to keep him there for the meantime while they look for somebody else. And he hasn't been good enough to really hold on to anyways. And The reason being is he's had a big time turnover issue. He's had seven interceptions, but only two sacks and, or two touchdowns, excuse me. And this has been a big problem for the New England Patriots. Now, when Jared Stidham, who a lot of people assumed was going to be the replacement for Tom Brady stepped in, he's been really bad as well with one touchdown and three interceptions. And a lot of this could be blamed on the supporting cast that the New England Patriots have. The wide receiver corpse is awful. Julian Edelman is really the only, the only talented wide receiver on this team. And Keel Harry hasn't stepped up into the role that he was supposed to step up into as the first round draft pick, the only first round draft pick wide receiver that Bill Belichick has had. And the big problem isn't just the receiving corpse. The offensive line is bad. The running game is bad. Every part of this team is really bad, and the opt-outs during the offseason for coronavirus aren't helping this New England Patriots squad. Now, the New England Patriots suck, and that's kind of the fact of the matter. They're not going to be a playoff team. They're not going to be a team that is is going to to make a deep playoff push, but they are a team that could compete to get Trevor Lawrence. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars are also a team that is trying to get Trevor Lawrence that is right at the very bottom of the of the, uh, of the pile waiting and waiting to try to get that number one overall draft pick, but it's going to come down to one of three teams in my eyes, or one of four teams in my eyes. And that's the New York jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York giants and the New England Patriots. And if the New England Patriots win tonight, if they end up winning and defeating the New York jets, that takes them completely out of the running for Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion. So this is a really important Monday night football game because the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes is up in the air right now. We don't know where he's going to end up going. We don't know if the Jets are going to go 0-16 and end up taking him or if the Jets are going to win these two games against the Patriots and give the Patriots that opportunity. Either way, both of these teams tonight would be better off losing. And That's always a weird thing to say that they're going to be better off losing, but the higher the draft pick you have, the better chances you have to rebuild your team, the better chances you have to be able to bounce back. And the New England Patriots and the New York Jets, they know they're not making the playoffs. They know that they're not going to make a push to be one of the top teams in the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins are already on top of that but they do know that they have to rebuild. They do know that this season is a rebuilding season. And for Bill Belichick, we haven't really seen that in a really long time. We haven't seen Bill Belichick have to rebuild a team. We haven't seen him have to start with a new quarterback. We haven't seen what he's had to do to try to recover after Tom Brady. Now, are the Patriots going to try to lose this game? Is Bill Belichick trying going to try to put the Patriots in better position to get Trevor Lawrence? Well, I think so. I think Bill Belichick knows just how talented Trevor Lawrence is. I think Bill Belichick knows that Trevor Lawrence is a game-changing quarterback, and any team that ends up with him is going to be better for it. Whether that be the New York Jets or the New England Patriots, somebody's going to end up with Trevor Lawrence, and somebody's going to end up with a franchise-changing quarterback. And if I'm Bill Belichick, I want that team to be me. I want that team to be the team that's ready with a good coaching staff, with a decent defense, obviously, once they all opt back in following this year, once they all end up back on the Patriots following this year. But if I'm Bill Belichick, I want to lose this game and position myself perfectly for the best quarterback in college. Because the only way you can rebuild a team is through the quarterback position. The quarterback is the most important position in all of football, and if you don't have a good starting quarterback, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. Plain and simple, if your starting quarterback isn't a top-tier quarterback, you're not going to win a Super Bowl, and that's just how it has been for the last 20 or 30 years. We haven't seen defenses able to completely dominate without at least a decent quarterback with a good enough head on their shoulders. Now this season, I think we're seeing two teams with great defenses in the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Indianapolis Colts that are going to have not very much success come postseason because Phillip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger just aren't the same quarterbacks that we're used to. They're not game-changing quarterbacks, and if a team wants to win a Super Bowl, they need a game-changing quarterback. The New England Patriots are in prime position right now at 2-5 and to lose the rest of their games and end up with Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, they're going to need some help if they lose the rest of their games from the New York Jets, from the Jacksonville Jaguars, from the New York Giants, from the Washington football team. They're going to need some help. But somebody's going to end up with Trevor Lawrence and the New England Patriots, I think, are one of the scariest locations for him to possibly end up. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he went. Now, that's going to do it for Up for Debate today on KLJXLP Flagstaff, KJAC 107.1. I'm your host, Cade Reed. Thank you all very much for tuning in. And make sure you tune in every single weekday where I'll be bringing you the most debatable content in all of sports, only on KJAC Radio and on the KJAC Sports Spotify. Make sure to follow me on social media at the underscore Cade Reed, where I'll be posting updates for the show, different things like that. But I will see you guys next time with a recap of the New York Jets, New England Patriots game, and much, much more.